sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you Shots. like. What a stop! Shots from Ben! Oh! Oh! Jordan Ben! Yes! Jordan Henderson! I mean, that sort of stuff, we're, it, it's been... We're, be we're bigger than that. That interview is just like the performance, flat. No. What, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, well, he's... Say something... We, we were doing what we'd done for 20 years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in, in these conditions, um, and thought no more of it. Hello and welcome to this week's Kevin Kilbarn Football Podcast. I am absolutely delighted this week to be joined by the usual sidekick on this in Dave McIntyre. Dave, That's where I am now, your sidekick. You're sidekick You've taken Dave. to the name, the new name of the podcast well, very well, very quickly. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks very much. It sounded yes. very natural this week. Did it? Yeah, but, uh, unlike last week. That's because Nathan Murphy was beside me. I always feel a bit of pressure when Nathan sat there somehow. I think it's the beard. Um, <laughs> it's fearsome. Yeah, oh, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm usually your sidekick. I'm usually sat beside you trying to, you know, listen to every word that you're saying and try to, to add Just something Just in case he says something it. interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hang on, it's coming now. Occasionally, occasionally you do. Occasionally you do. But uh, yeah, in in general, um, yeah. But anyway, what's the story? How are you keeping? All good? I'm delighted with a great week of football. It's been, it's just been really interesting. Even the fallout from the Dortmund situation, which is obviously an extremely mm. serious situation and could have been so much more serious. Even that's fascinating with the pressure that's been on UEFA to explain why they supposedly forced the players into playing the game. Um, we had big goals in every game. Even the game that yielded just one goal, Atletico Leicester was fascinating. Yeah. And that ties really finely balanced as well. I think if you'd offered that to if you'd offered it to Leicester before the game, they'd mm. definitely have taken it. There's been a lot of fallout from the behaviour of the Leicester fans as well. There's been some um misinformation I think been sent out by the Spanish media and the Spanish police as well as regards some of the Leicester fans Leicester fans being blamed entirely for what's gone on over the last 48 hours but from listening to some English journalists it's not necessarily the case that they mm. were 100% to blame yeah. um, so there's always two sides to that story and then Bayern Real was just I mean it yeah. could have been Bayern in a supremely commanding position and now they're as good as out in my book. Yeah, well you and I we, we we do love our Premier League when we get real good Premier League games, we we cover enough games, we get to to enough games. But when it gets to this stage of the competition and you're getting all those big clubs playing against each other, I personally don't think there's anything better than watching how intense they are, how you, you actually do feel a little bit nervous when you're watching the games because you can actually feel the tension from the players. I, I felt when we've been at games, when we've, when, even when you're watching them on TV, you, you kind of get that feeling as well. I don't think there's anything better than this stage of the competition now when you've got these real big clubs all, all playing against each other. And outside of Leicester, I would say the other seven all go into the quarterfinal thinking that they can genuinely win the competition. Yeah, totally. And, Which is brilliant. I mean, I, I think we thought that as well. And the, the, Of course, we'd love... You know, a Chelsea, a Man United, an Arsenal, a, a top, whoever it was going to be, a Liverpool. We'd love a Premier, the Premier League clubs in there, in the mix, the cities, whoever it will be. But it's, it, it does show when you get into this stage now, even when we're looking at Dortmund and Monaco, you know, you and I both love Dortmund and Monaco. Monaco, my favourite side. I'd love Monaco to go on and win it this season. I would. I, I don't think they've got enough defensive. I don't think they'll be able to do that. But it shows that. How how f not? I wouldn't say how far they're behind. I don't think I don't think that's the question, or, or that's the point about them being far behind. But how they are lacking in playing in these big, intense European games. That, I think yeah. that, I think that's the key issue. I think the players are good enough. I just think it's the intense, the intensity that probably these clubs play at, and I don't think they've been able to match it. I think that makes it all 
all the uh, the great achievement when you've seen Leicester get into the stage that they are competing against Atletico like they did the other night as well? It's well, it's a Monaco team that conceded was it six over two legs to Manchester City? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, City clearly aren't that far off beating a team like Monaco. Mm. It's a Dortmund team that collapsed to Liverpool yeah. in the Europa League knockout stages last season. So, and a Juventus team that has been beaten by Manchester City over the last two seasons as well. So, I don't think the Premier League sides are a million miles from it. I think a an Antonio Conte managed Chelsea would have gone very far yeah. in this season's competition. What, what do you think it is then? Why do you think they've not been able to compete over the last few years? Well, one of the teams is Arsenal and they are just spineless. They're so awesome. you don't really expect much from them in Europe. They'll qualify and they'll go I out. I want to ask you before you go on about this, Jamie Redknapp's, uh, sorry, Jamie Carragher's comments uh, midweek saying he, they lack courage. Well, they definitely lack courage. Do you? He called them cowards though. Cowards, sorry. So, yes, that was it, yeah. Um, cowards. Saying, saying that the cowards, what do you think about that? He's been getting getting a little bit of grief about it. He clearly means cowards in the footballing sense of the word. I just think so. It, I, I think just, it, okay. I think if you it's, it's if you're afraid term. of a fifty fifty challenge, if you're afraid to go up for a, a big header against a defender, if you're afraid to get on the ball and try and dominate a game when the stakes are at the highest and when the pressure is at its greatest, in football terms, you're a coward. And oh, I think yeah. that's what he meant. But it's, but it's not football. To that that that's a loose term that you can actually describe. Then what you're saying there as a football term. It's not a football term when you're calling someone a coward. But it's if not. you're speaking about a game of football, I think you can say that he's using it in the footballing sense. I, I, I he's not using it as to describe these people as generally as human beings walking down the street and you know seeing but somebody the, being the, assaulted that, and being re- and refusing to get involved or whatever other forms of uh, aspects of your life where you require courage. Mm. When it comes to requiring courage on the football pitch, they lack it, and. The opposite for me of courage is cowardice. I don't know, Dave. I just uh, it's not. Re- I I think that 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 sort of terminology is over, or, or I think you're overstepping it with that because I think you can't use that. You can't use um, you can't use you can't use the word coward to describe a team or individual players when you're talking about a game of football. I don't think you can. Why not? Because it's not you're not a coward if if you've had a bad game or if you're lacking confidence. They are clearly lacking confidence and direction that Arsenal team. It doesn't make them cowards because they're not they're not wanting to take the ball because they're a little bit nervous because the hot because the crowd are giving them a stick from the side of the pitch. It doesn't make them a coward. It doesn't make them a coward if you if you maybe pulling out of a tackle or not maybe going that extra yard. It doesn't make you it doesn't make you a coward because you're not necessarily going through that. I just think I think it does in some ways. Do you? Well, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll take I'll, I'll take your point. I I think that's all. I think ex overstepping that. I, think I know he is an thing. ex-pro. The person who delivered this withering comment is an ex-pro. But I think ex-pros are far more likely to be upset by somebody describing a player as a coward than players, people like me who've never played the game at any serious level. I th- I, 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 we I, were in a room with Graeme Sooners the other night as well, and he said the same. I'm, um, I'm not. I'm not meaning it like that. I'm not seeing it from an ex-pro's point of view, anything like that. Dave, I just think it's. I, I think all, all of a sudden you've got to think about it in the cold light of day, and you've got to, you know, evaluate everything. You, you can't call somebody a coward if it, whether you whether you're playing rugby whether you're playing cricket tennis golf whatever you be like people might have said you used use strong words to describe Sergio Garcia over the years I'm not wanting to go into government but the you know, the certain Andy Murray would have had it at stages in his career you know lacking men- mentally all these sort of things I've never heard the term described as the, or those two in particular as a coward now so how, why is it acceptable that you can call a football a coward because they're not necessarily Producing. Well, have you ever described a player's tackle as being a cowardly tackle? 
Yeah, but that's a different scenario though, because that's a coward tackle. You're actually pulling out something and you're deliberately knowing full well you're going to hurt someone. So yes, that's, that's that, a different that is cowardly. But that's a different terminology. That's a different. You, you, they, they're being but described it's still as being cowards. used in a game of football. But yeah, but they're being described as cowards for something totally different than that. You know, I would say, yeah, that's a coward's tackle because they know full well that they are actually frightened of actually going into to do, but they're going to do you on the back of it, and that is that is what you could. I would take that, but not necessarily for how they've played, or maybe reluctancy to take the ball, or um, they might not necessarily want to go through and go through the uh, take, the, you know, going through and tackle someone, or as you said, run that extra yard. I was at the game, the Palace match, and they were getting slaughtered by the home supporters, by their own supporters. So I think if you take that into account, there is going to be a little bit of intimidation. They're, they're going to play within themselves because of that. But it's not like it's only happened in this game. Oh, I know that. Yeah, I, I know. Look, we, we've all sat here and we've all we've all tried to dissect every Arsenal performance and how poor they are and how seriously lacking in leadership and all these sort of things we're going to throw at Arsenal because it's true. I believe it is true. And, you know, I've, I've had a big beef with Arsenal for, for a long time, not necessarily over the last five or six years. This is going back 10, 15 years over, over, over how I feel the players have been on the pitch for how, you know, how, di- how disrespectful they are to, to opposition and how little respect they've got for anyone. I, I feel that's how I feel. Mm. It's always been the way. But I wouldn't necessarily use the word coward to describe uh, or cowardly to describe any of those players. I'll be honest, I didn't even bat an eyelid when I yeah, well, it's, it. It's, it's, it's um And I'll admit as well that it's plainly obvious that these players are being prepared to fail by their manager. Yeah, I do. I do agree with you on so that. So you have to have some level of sympathy for them. But if that is the case, it's an indictment of them that none of them haven't, they haven't got together and demanded that things change under this manager. Yeah, that's that a They point. haven't gone to Wenger as a group and said, we've had enough of this. We went to Palace on Monday night and we had no preparation done on them. We, you didn't talk to us in any way about how Sam Allardyce was going to set them up. We didn't talk about the hostile atmosphere we were probably going to be facing. You did nothing for us tactically ahead of the second leg with Bayern and look what happened to us. I've had enough of this. Either you go, we go to the board and tell them you do, uh, to take whatever contract's on the table off the table or you start working with us so that we can all work together for the common yeah. goal. Uh, yeah, I, maybe that has happened. I'd be amazed. I'd be amazed. Had. I'd be amazed. I take your point on a number of that. I, I do. I do think that whether it will be four, five, several of the senior players within that within the Arsenal squad, yes, go and knock on the door and say, look, things have to change the better. Not necessarily put it as forthright as that is saying, look, contract situations, we're going to war, all these sort of things. Not necessarily downing tools, but. I do think you're spot on with one, well, a number of the points you've made there. Yeah. They do actually need that sort of leadership and direction. How did we yeah. end up at Arsenal? I don't know because we're talking <laughs> about Champions League. We're talking about the, 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 how far the, the champ. We'll go back to it. The, the Premier League sides that, that can't compete with the Juve's, the Barca's, the Atletico's, the Rails, the Bayern's. This has been a major issue over the last few years. And again, my point was that how good these sides are. Maybe Leicester deserves so much credit for the level that they've got to and, and how well they played the other night against Atletico. Yeah, they haven't had to play a big team, Leicester, to get to the point they're at. Atletico were the first real genuine mm. big hitter that they've come across. That shouldn't take anything away from Leicester and the fact that they've got to the quarterfinals and they're the only Premier League team that have got that far. I do think, though, that it's not a fair reflection on the Premier League as it stands right now. Chelsea would go far in this tournament under Conte. Yeah. And I think City were... Five minutes of half-decent defending away from making it to the quarterfinals as well. But yeah, the, the teams in behind those two, like Arsenal, clearly aren't up to it. Manchester United were pathetic in last season's tournament. And the way they went out to Wolfsburg was just embarrassing. Yeah. I was at that game. Were you with me at that yeah, game? Yeah, I think it was. Well, that yeah. was terrible. Yeah. And Liverpool are away off that as well. So Tottenham, it's very hard to explain why they had such an issue and what should have been a pretty handy group. 
the Mo- Monaco have obviously proven that they're a decent team, yeah. but um, the other teams in that group in CSK and Moscow and Bayer Leverkusen, I mean, they're not up to much and they couldn't get out of it. Yeah. I don't know how you explain how a M- M- Mauricio Pochettino side and coached by him can be as uh, perform as badly in Europe, but maybe they'll come back next season and they'll be much stronger in the tournament. I think the Premier League is better than this season's yeah, Champions I'm League. With you. Might, I'm with you. Uh, and it's not, it's not, it's not been biased because of the, the level of obviously having played there. All these, it's not that. I know that the level of players that the Premier League clubs are signing, the level of, of the Premier League players that they've got, I, I think there could be a, something like a mental issue, mental block, whatever it would be. But the the level of the Premier League for how intense these these latter Premier uh, Champions League games are, I, I think we're off that. And when we, and I think it's a rarity now when we see these real tense Premier League games. We haven't seen enough of these Premier mm. League games over the last few years. I remember the, the ones this season that we would have seen, we would have seen Chelsea uh, City, brilliant game early on this season when Chelsea managed to, to win and you know, there's a couple of sendings off uh, on the day. But these games, I think now, a few and far between, I think five, maybe ten years ago, we were getting these sort of games on a regular basis. And I think that has affected the performance levels in the Champions League. I do think that. Well, there should be more of those games. Should they not, given the way the Premier League's gone over the last couple of years, where, for example, going into this season, you could have made a really cogent argument for any one of five, yeah. possibly six teams to actually win the title. Yeah. You can't say that about any other league anywhere in Europe. Yeah, totally. So that is a major plus point for the Premier League point of view, notwithstanding maybe that the quality isn't as high as it might be amongst the very top sides in Spain and in the Bundesliga. But you take Bayern Munich out of the uh, the Bundesliga, I mean, Dortmund are nowhere near yeah. launching a title challenge this totally. season. In Spain, the top two are running away with it. Mm-hmm. Sevilla's challenge has fallen away. The only other league that is close to the Premier League in terms of the amount of sides that could possibly win the title right now is, is Ligue 1 because you've got a couple of points separating Monaco, PSG and Nice. Yeah, but um, good knowledge, Dave. Well done. Well, look, you have to you have to be abreast of all these I matters. Now I, I know, know the Premier League title race is as good as done, or maybe one or two more results from being being as good as done. But next season, I think it'll be hugely competitive. Yeah, I do. Well, we're hoping that anyway. I think that'll be the case. Anyway, you've got a five teams in the, in the Champions League next season as well, of course, if United managed to come through in the Europa League. That would be great. I, I think in an ideal world, yeah, I'd want United to finish outside the top yeah. four and get that. I do. I think they'd probably upset a, a number of clubs and probably United fans might not necessarily agree with me, but I think they would probably want them to put... Uh, they'd rather a Liverpool or uh, who else would it be? Man City, I suppose, as well. They'd rather put one of those sides out and finish in the top four, but... I'd like to see I'd like to see United finish fifth and win the and win the Europa League. I think it'd be brilliant. I, I even think United would would like to see that. Yeah, I think they would. I think. You well, might. they'd probably like to finish fourth and win the Champions League. Yeah. Finish the, the table as possible. We'll, we'll so talk about yeah. before the four results. So Juventus through. You think there's it's just a bridge too far for Barca? I can't see it, Dave. I can't see the way that they played the other night and how good they are defensively. I can't see uh, Barca turning that round now. Monaco have gone away and won. Very hard Again, to see Dortmund turn that around, but maybe a Dortmund side fully focused um, yeah. with a, a week to digest what happened to them on Tuesday evening. Yeah. I mean, you spoke, didn't you, before earlier on about the, the, the what happened around that game when it was postponed on, on the Tuesday night. And I, I do think it was incredibly harsh on, on Dortmund to, to, to be told... But they were more or less told that you've got to play this game on a on twenty four hours or less than twenty four hours later. I think that was really harsh for mm. the players' mindsets to try and adjust with what had happened. 
I think it was really harsh. And Thomas Tuchel had said that, the Dortmund manager. He said that himself. He said, look, we, we felt as though we were railroaded into this and we feel as though we were. it's really unjust. And I think that, that UEFA could have put the game back a week and then the second leg a week later. I think that's the, what they should have done. I think it would have been for the benefit of both those uh, sets of players as well. But as I said before, Monaco, I love watching. I've loved watching. They had the two strong fullbacks out the two they had the, the they had Sidibe Mendy and they also had um Bakayoko. Bakayoko missing in that in that game as well they'll be stronger in the second leg so um that's one thing that probably plays into Monaco's favor I'd love to see Monaco go on and win it I really do because I think the way that they play it's so attacking it's, it's it, they are one of the the, the eye catchers in Europe this season and you and I've covered them we've both been to watch them and we know how good they are so I would like to see them win it but I just don't think they've got enough defensive I think they're too open as we saw in that City game they're, they're vulnerable even the Dortmund game they are vulnerable defensively so you'd expect Monaco to go through there Real obviously in the box seat 2-1 up totally and, I, I, uh, I think they're going to score, Dave. They'll score so at home. The tie that's most evenly balanced is Atletico Leicester. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're spot on. I think it's it's such. And now I I think if Atletico score in the game early, I think it puts them to bed. Leicester having to score, but the way that they played the other night, Leicester, how deep they were, giving so little space for Atletico mm. to to go in behind them. The penalty was probably harsh on the edge. We've we've seen certain scenarios like that where a player's fallen into the area, the referees have given it. It probably was harsh just outside the area, but it is finely balanced. And I do actually do. I, I think Leicester might, if they get to half-time nil-nil, I think they'll be happy with that. 70 minutes even nil, I think they'll be happy with that. And then really go and try and push on. So th- that will be one of those games, Dave, that will be tense. It'll be exciting. It'll be nervous. And th- that's the sort of football that I like to see. Yeah, it's a, it feels different to the f- aftermath of the first leg against Sevilla. Ranieri's last game in charge where they were played off the pitch mm. they were blessed to lose 2-1 and they missed another penalty to be in the second leg they gave up very few guilt edge opportunities the, Atletico's best chances came from like really well hit drives yeah, from, Coke, from just outside yeah. the penalty or Coke had a couple mm. um, so I think Leicester would be delighted with the way they played the other night but um I'm at that game next year. I can't wait. The King Power is the place to be. Yeah, it is. On, I, on nights like that. Slightly gutted I'm up with you for that one, actually, because we were, we were at the Sevilla game. Yeah, they've we? left you yeah, slumming be, it in studio. I'll be in the studio that night, yeah. But uh, no, I, I, it's great. It, it, it'll be a great one for you to go to. I think you'll really enjoy it. We'll talk about it next week, I suppose. But hopefully, we will see Leicester progressing and getting through. It, I, I, I don't think they'll be intimidated, Atletico. The way that they play, 1-0 down. You know, one nil. Sorry, up from the first leg. I don't think they'll be intimidated going through it. But anyway, we'll have a look at that next week. Anyway, anyway, we'll move on. We've we spoke about United there briefly, but after this, we'll talk uh, Paul Pogba. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to chat to you about Paul Pogba, Dave, because you know, as we've had we've had various tweets about this as well to say about when the time of the recording we were actually recording this just prior to man united's game this evening so we, we we're going to we're going to chat about just basically his comments in the press conference yeah, and pogba in more general terms pogba in more general terms yeah without wanting to give too much away there about when we are recording it there but i think it's probably worth saying that because it, it, pogba could have a world tonight and it might be a bit different it might sway our mind but just what he's saying there, and he, he said, "Look, I'm a midfield player, and people uh, sometimes think I'm an attacking player. People say Pogba should uh, score more goals, do this. I think the press expect me to uh, expect me to be a defender, a midfielder, a striker, but I have to focus on my job. If I can make the team win, I'll just do my job and play midfield." Now, the one thing he's saying with this is that I don't think we've we've sat here and think that Pogba should be doing everything on the football pitch, but I think we do expect him to try and dominate games more. You know, taking the ball from defenders passing forward, getting into the game more. What I'm seeing from Pogba at the moment, especially in the last three or four games that I've seen him play, 
slowing United down. United, when I think they've been at the best this season early on, when Pogba was probably at his best when he's had a certain spell, United moving the ball quickly. Pogba, one and two touch, moving the ball, trying to get forward. I think he's slowing down play for United at the moment, and I think it's doing United yeah. no favours. He, he looks like it, he, they need him to be ahead of the ball more often than behind the ball. Because as you say, when he picks the ball up in that deep-lying midfield area, he wants three or four touches. Mm. He wants to hold off a couple of would-be tacklers. And then when he lays it off to somebody, he wants it back straight away. Yeah. And it's t- going to take them 10 or 15 what do you, seconds what do you to think actually his get role, ahead. What, what do you take? I think immediately as a behind. As midfield player, what do you think his role is then? I don't know. Yeah. I don't think there's a place in the game anymore for the Frank Lampard, Roy Keane early years, Steven Gerrard type player. I don't think I think the game has moved on from that because these guys were so powerful and so dominating that you could afford to have two central midfield players if one of them was one of those three. Yeah. And as United learned when Keane's legs started to go, they needed three midfielders in there. They, they couldn't have Roy Keane plus one because they were being outnumbered then in midfield. And that's when Ferguson started to go with just one guy up front and started to play with five in midfield. Do you not think that was they adjusted to that because of the Europe, the way that it was going, that, that it was always playing against three men midfield? I, I, I think regardless of, of... It would have been interesting to see if, he, if he'd had a Roy Keane at his peak for all those years. Because he could do the work of two players. Yeah, he yeah. was getting he was getting like seven or eight goals a season. He was creating goals. He was taking the ball off the back four. He was getting on the end of things. He was winning tackles. He was marshalling the back four. Mm. He was helping out at set pieces. Who does that anymore? Like Frank, Frank Lampard is Chelsea's top scorer in their history. When will there ever be a midfielder? Probably there won't be one that's around the same club long enough for that to happen. But that that delivers as many goals per season as Frank Lampard. There never mm. will be again. Yeah, I think, it, but it's, but Lampard was able to get back and win tackles. He was helping but, out in defence. He was picking the ball up. He was passing it. It's a great point, though. Say how United are playing. They are playing essentially at times when when Pogba's been at his best in a four three three, where Pogba's played on the left of a three. That's where he played at Juve. Carrick's been sitting. Does Carrick have the legs to get round the pitch like he used to? If you're going to play someone like Daley Blint, there does he have the legs? I don't think yeah. either of those have the legs. Well, talk of Tony Cruz being looked at during the summer. Yeah, they if, may have to lose De Gea in the process. Would you take that? But he would be perfect. To then release but Paul he can, Pogba. But he can get round the pitch. I think he's got yeah. more energy. Sometimes he's used Herrera sitting in a two. I don't think Herrera's a natural holding midfield. I don't think he wants to play there. Herrera's been at his best when he, I, what I would call front foot players, not necessarily looking over the shoulder to see where danger is. They're almost anticipating what's in front of them, so like they're always trying to get in. Bilbao. Yeah, that's what I think of Herrera. That's when, that's when I've seen him at his best. I, like I a Chabi Alonso aged 30. Totally. Perfect. That's what they need. Yeah, I, and I do. I do think that. I, do, I think Carrick, five years ago, might have been the one. Six years ago, perhaps. So does that does that allow Pogba to play the role that suits him best? Then, well, he, releases him to when he's to played when he's roam free. When he's played him in a like a like a, a two man midfield, a four two three one. When they've played like that, it's not suited him. He's not looked great. When he's played him as a ten and said, right, go on, try and influence games. I don't think it's suited him. He doesn't look like when I've seen him play his best this season. It's certainly been in a three man midfield. So. They do need a better holding midfielder. They probably need someone else alongside him that's going to perhaps maybe have that little bit of discipline that if Pogba is bombing forward, then he might be able, have to be a little bit more disciplined. I don't see Fellaini doing that. I don't see Mata being able to do that. I don't see too many of the other midfield players that they've got at United being able to do that. And much the same as we spoke about maybe... Uh, some of the top clubs needing three or four players, i.e. Manchester City, we spoke about maybe might needing three or four players. I think United might be in that same boat. I think they need another midfielder player. I think they need another defender. 
it looks as though Luke Shaw's not his man, so they might need another left back. Might need a keeper. Might need a goalkeeper, David Hayes. So you know, if Ibrahimovic doesn't sign a new contract, they're yeah. going to need a world class striker as but well. I, I, if they are going to say, look, we're going to build a side around Pogba, I think they need better players around them up up front. I, I do hope, I really genuinely hope that Rashford comes to the fore. I'd, I'd like to think that United could keep hold of Ibrahimovic for the be, for the benefit of the Premier League, the benefit of that side. But they do need a few players, considering the amount of money they've spent and the outlay on wages mm. and everything. They're far from the finished articles we've seen this season. For two of his last three seasons at Juve, he had Pirlo in behind him. And he, is there a more perfect guy to have just tucked in behind you than, totally. than Pirlo uh, yeah, for maybe. Paul Pogba? I think it was a slow... Could, could Pirlo do what he did maybe three or four years ago in the Premier League? And I I'm still wouldn't be convinced of that. I really wouldn't. I yeah. don't think he could do that. I think he might be one of those one in, one out. He'd play a game, miss a game. Could he could he cope with the intensity? Because if you do watch the Italian football, it's certainly a lot slower and it's not as intense as the Premier League. But yeah, that type, I know what you're saying, that, that sort of player that could actually fill in, do that job defensively, do that job on the ball in possession and not necessarily rely on Pogba to come and get on the ball, start to dictate play. I don't think it's his game. I think he slows players down when he starts to do that. I don't think Again, I don't think it suits United. Next season is huge for him. And yeah. Mourinho has to figure out how to get the best out of him. And it's a question whether they'll be playing in the Champions League or not. But look, he might have a big game tonight. He may have a massive game on Sunday. And yeah, exactly. That well, is we'll a look huge at that. I mean, game. I'll say, um, well, we'll, t- we'll take a look at, at this weekend's games with Chelsea's visit to Old Trafford. Um, the best, I think you and I are at that one, Dave. And then we'll look at, uh, at the Player of the Year nominations, the PFA, not Player of the Year nominations. <laughs> Yes, we'll start with our games at the weekend, Dave. I think we're probably better off starting. Uh, no, I'll tell you what we will do. We'll start with the West Brom game. You and I are at the big one that we both feel really looking forward yeah, to it's it. It's live and off the ball at four. Live and off the ball. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go in chronological order. So we'll go with the West Brom-Liverpool game. Uh, Bernard O'Toole and Al McLaughlin are at that game for us at the Hawthorns at the weekend. Live and off the ball, of course. Um, this is the treat. I, I think... West Brom, the way they're going, they're, they're fine now. They're not going to get relegated. They're not going to go up. So it's this is a game where you think, in your head, Liverpool need to win. Liverpool will go there and win the game. But West Brom, they're that sort of side that you just... You couldn't be convinced that that'd be the case. I think Liverpool need to win. They've got to, If they're going to finish in the top four, of course, I think they've got to go there. And they haven't necessarily done it against this sort of opposition. Um, but I think they Although might last to. weekend, maybe, was a turning point. A goal down to Stoke... Come out of that game having won. You'd like to think so, yeah. Maybe that will be a signal for the rest of the season from a Liverpool point of view and they will now start beating these teams. They don't have to play another team mm. inside the top six for the rest of the campaign. But when you see a side like West Brom, Stoke are a little bit more expansive than, than West Brom. West Brom will play deep. I, I was at the Arsenal game a few weeks ago. Yeah, they'll I, certainly think they can hit Liverpool on that, the set piece. That's going to be the one. You know, are they going to nullify any threat of Firmino going in behind, like Stoke did last season, like last week? So Stoke squeezed high, simple ball through the middle over the top. Firmino onto it, great finish from him. But I don't necessarily see Firmino being able to get that space and uh, and West Brom maybe playing that high line. I can't see, I can't see that happening. But again, we'll see. But it's it's an interesting game for Liverpool more so than West Brom. Um, West Brom being my old club I'd love to see them have a have a good go and beat Liverpool but I, I don't know I think Liverpool might have too much from Dave actually I think the team the only team I see beating Liverpool to the Champions League place is Manchester United and their fixture list is a massive issue here I think Liverpool will look at United's fixture list and think do you know what a couple of wins we're going to get we'll get there I think it's very unlikely they're going to be pushed out of that fourth Champions League spot 
because United have to play Chelsea this weekend, they have mm. to play Arsenal, they have to play Tottenham, and they have to play Manchester City. All in their last eight games. Um, that's not going to be a fixture list that's going to deliver enough points for United to beat Liverpool to fourth place. I'll give, Just, you, give, us no your, way. give us your prediction then before we move on to the Chelsea game. Uh, I I think Liverpool will drop points. I think it'll be 1-1. One, 1-1, one. One, one, yeah. Yeah. I think West Brom are just such a tough nut to crack, and particularly if their minds are in it. And they've shown that you know getting past the forty point point barrier isn't the trigger for them to just switch off and and coast the way through the rest of the season. So I think they're going to be Liverpool will have to be really disciplined. They'll have to be as disciplined and as patient as they were against Stoke last weekend. If they manage that, they should win. They're still missing Mane and Lalana. Their big losses. Henderson's not going to be fit either. Mm. They're key men that are missing for Liverpool so overall I think West Brom will have enough to take something from them but I don't think that'll be terminal for Liverpool I think a point while disappointing for them wouldn't be the worst result in the world because I certainly don't see United beating Chelsea mm. OK well, so we'll move on to that game move on to Man United Chelsea live and off the ball this week and you and I will be there Dave really looking forward to this one really really looking oh, I can't forward wait to for this. and there's a number of stories around this game that you know, United of course have this Europa League game uh, Thursday night and we're looking then at Chelsea. Are Chelsea going to drop points? Because if, if United, United win this, it's game on. Yeah, totally. Like a ten-point lead, but it's game on for United as well. To, it, oh it, yeah, it raises. Well, mathematically, they're still in with a great chance of top four. Yeah, but if they beat Chelsea, that the ten-point lead is four, and like suddenly Chelsea start to worry. Yeah, they're a bad game away from from the title race going to the last day of the season. And then if they lose on Tottenham's Tottenham's eyes will surely light up if mm. that's the case as well. Tottenham Tottenham have to, of course, they've got to do their own business, get their own results on the board, and then maybe put the pressure on Chelsea a little bit. But yeah, I, I'm just looking at the week, and I, I watched them last week though, Dave. I don't think Chelsea will. I don't think Chelsea will lose this game, and I think seeing them at Bournemouth, and I know it's Bournemouth, and I know Bournemouth were actually quite poor through the first half, but I I just think Chelsea will go there and do a job. I do. They've had their feet up for the week. Yeah, like they don't have to worry about any kind of this stuff. United have to go to Belgium tonight, and then they have to come back, and they have to get themselves set. And they're nursing a few yeah. injuries, and De Gea is not going to be there tonight. He's got an injury issue. Rooney's got an injury issue. Chelsea just seem to be able to mm. coast from week to week, make sure their players are the same situation that Leicester found themselves in last season. That's mm. why they were able to pick such a, a stable starting eleven under Ranieri. I mean, you never see more than a change yeah. to max made well, by Antonio Conte. You just made a great point there about the feet up all week because I think they'll probably need it. The way that Conte worked, you can imagine he's gone in Monday morning and he's gone, right, this is going to be our game plan. So they would have worked really hard, probably... Certainly Tuesday, Wednesday, I would imagine. Perhaps Monday as well. You've still got the game in your legs, I suppose, from the Saturday. But certainly Tuesday, Wednesday, really intense work. You know, a lot of leg work, probably. Real hard, hard graft that would have done the training ground. Leading into this game. Needing that rest. But they've got the luxury of having that rest. And, and I do think... I think Chelsea might win the game. I, don't, I, I can't see them losing. I really can't see them losing this match. And I think Chelsea will certainly take something from it. Again, if they get a point at Old Trafford, it'll be a really good point for them. I I don't know, part of me, I, I fancy Chelsea to win it. I think Chelsea might go there and win the game. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't see United winning it, to be honest. They have to play tonight, and Chelsea have just too many good players. You would think that they're going to certainly do enough to take a point from the game. And What do you think, as well, key battles on, on the pitch? Where do, you see the, where do you see the game being won well, and lost? It depends who he plays in the full-back position, who's going to have to mark Eden Hazard. Valencia, it looks like he could be fit. Yeah, and then if that's the case, does he bring Darwin back into the side and switch him over to left back and drop Luke Shaw? Drop him. I know he's only back in the team. Does he give Luke Shaw a chance? Um, if, is Victor Moses going to be fit? And if he is, I mean, yeah. he's got a massive impact he had a big on this Chelsea on the team. Game last week, Moses played well. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and the the other key battle is at the other end. Who's going to ma- manage 
Zlatan Ibrahimovic and can you not get enough ball to him they got so little to him in the first half of the stadium yeah. the first time they did he gets turned makes a goal from nothing and gets himself, his body uh, swiveled around and he puts the ball into the bottom corner they don't have enough good players in their team to be able to hurt Chelsea but if you're betting with your own money, there's no way you're putting out United for this game. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we, we, I'm judging it maybe from the FA Cup game early on this season as well, when they were very, very rough on Hazard. United took a real firm approach against him. Kante was just superb on the night as well. And Kante, what I think is superb at as well, that, you know, his all-round game, of course, is, is excellent. But it's, it's getting himself in the line of a pass being played through to a striker. He immediately, just even if it's just two or three yards one way or another, you mentioned there Ibrahimovic, United needs to get him in the game. It's got to be quality balls played into him. He he most likely will be the man, Kante, to try and stop those balls being played yeah, through to him. He appears so, from nowhere. Yeah, and that's that's gotta be that that'll <laughs> be, be the key for it, really, I suppose, wouldn't it? So yeah, we look I mean I think we look forward to this one. It, it, it should be an absolute cracker. Yeah, looking forward to it. Four o'clock off the ball and then it's Alan McLaughlin with Bernard O'Toole for the one thirty kickoff West Brom Liverpool. We wrap things up with today's lists, player of the yeah, year nominees. Finally, yeah, play the play of the year nominees. I'll run through them. Azard, Kante, Kane, Ibrahimovic, Lukaku, Sanchez. That's the senior award. Young player of the year nominees, Kane, Lukaku, so they're in both categories. Deli Ali. Michael Keane, mm. Jordan Pickford and Leroy Sané. My first issue is that 23 is just too old to be the cut-off point for the Young Player of the Year. Uh, see, I, I think it's about right. Actually. Harry Kane won this award two years ago. I think it's about right. But, Dave, but, but a player could be playing, he could have five or six years of Premier League football under his belt and still be... How many other players under, under the age of 23, apart from those, if you're looking at nominees, how many other players could you name because you, if you're thinking like this, you need another. You need another six behind these lads. I can't think of ten other names that I could put in any sort of young player of the year category. There's not enough, Dave. They're not. They're not produce, We're not producing enough. Over whether we're here in Ireland or whether in the UK. So it's more an illustration of a dearth of young talent yeah. rather than yeah. the age group being wrong. Yeah. Because didn't the Irish international awards set up have to be changed because twenty five? Yeah. Like an under an under twenty one award is. Uh, a barren wilderness. Well, we used to have the, yeah, the under twenty award award is still there, but it was the senior international young player of the year that, that the age I think it was I think it was under twenty three. I think I was nominated for that once actually. But the many under twenty threes are in the Ireland team. Yeah, well that's the point. None. That's the point, isn't it? Robbie Bray, do you see under twenty three? No, Robbie's twenty five. Like there are zero. Well, Robbie was up for the award this year, wasn't he? Robbie was up for young player. Robbie got it, didn't he? Robbie got Robbie. Did Robbie get a clean sweep? Him and. I can't remember. Oh, I don't know off the top of my head. I know Robbie got. Uh, but it's it is an it is an indication of how few players are having. Yeah. So big I, I, seasons. I I I think the age group's right. Sane's nineteen, of course. Pickford's only a young man. Keane, young man. Ali, of course, as well. He's only just gone twenty-one this week, hasn't he? So yeah, there's there's a number of of things. But you think again, Kane? Yeah, Kane's up for the for the big one. But that, that aside, I know we, we we can have this argument, and there'll be many people that would disagree on the under twenty-three award and and the age group for that young player of the year. But I think we have to focus maybe on. The, the, the senior player of the year award nominees happy with the happy with the the six nominees Azard Kante their locks Carrie Kane's had a brilliant season outside of his injuries yeah. Ibrahimovic has you could argue been the the player of the season I mean 27 goals at his age in a pretty average side um, Romelu Lukaku just the sheer amount of his goals but I don't think he I think he's a bit of a flat track bully Romelu Lukaku I don't think he scores enough in the really big games Alexis Sanchez is the outlier for me mm. now it's been an issue with these votes for a long time that the votes are cast earlier in the season the ceremony is 10 days from now at the Grosvenor Hotel in London 
But if these votes had been cast in the last two weeks, a lot of people who may have had Sanchez in their list may have taken him out because yeah. he's been stinking the joint out. Yeah, He's nowhere near having had a good enough season to be considered the best player in the Premier League this year. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm totally with you on that one. I All would, the others are But ahead. I wouldn't have picked him six weeks ago. I, certainly, I honestly wouldn't. And I mean, he's got 17 Premier League goals this season, hasn't he? So, so you I take, mean, it's still a lot. So you take, if you take Sanchez... Yeah, Sanchez scored a lot of goals he's, and, he, and he has done well, certainly, in this stage. So you take, if you're taking Sanchez out... Deli Ali should probably be in there. Deli Ali, so you'd, you, you'd prefer Deli... I would have done exactly the same. I would Diego have, Costa. I think as a midfield inf- who's influenced his team this year, I think Deli Ali... I would have played, I picked Dali Alli. There's no defenders and no goalkeepers. Last couple of years, you could make, a, make an argument for David De Gea to be yeah. on the list for I, the Player of the Year I, nominees. I think he's right on goalkeepers. I wouldn't have put a goalkeeper in. Who is the standout keeper in the Premier League? Courtois's been good this season, actually. He's I, made a couple of mistakes, though, as well, yeah, hasn't he? He's had injuries as well. I think he's been good, though. I do. But I wouldn't have picked him. Best defender? Best defender, uh, I think David Luiz has had a decent season, actually. I do think that's it's coming into the Premier League, but there's, there wasn't, there's no real... Someone st- like Alderweireld, maybe. But nobody is... Alderweireld's like, a good shout. Very no good one's shout. really... Uh, well, I tell you... A, a defender has to shoot the lights out week in, week out to make a list like this. So if you take Alex Sanchez out then... Sorry, Dave. Just, I'd probably put Deli Alli in. I mean, Deli he's a only, really good Is he season. the only one that you would put in? Rod- you you say trying Lukaku. to think of somebody else. Well, I would personally... I can't believe Diego Costa's yeah, not been nominated. Yeah, it's harsh on him that he's not in and there. And you know why? It's for another, again, he's not maybe scored the amount of goals that Lukaku has or Kane, but if if he's not scoring, he gives you so much yeah. more. I'd have him ahead of Ibrahimovic because I think he gives you so much more, provides so much more for his team than any of the other strikers, than a Lukaku, than a Ibrahimovic if he's not scoring. Kane I'd have in. I'd have a... I, I would... I personally would, would probably go Ibrahimovic and... Uh, Costa instead of Lukaku, but I would have Deli Ali instead of Sanchez, and that would be my six. My six picks would be Hazard, Kante, Kane, Ibrahimovic, Costa, and Deli Ali. They would be my six picks. I think if Sadio Mane hadn't left for that period of time for the African Cup of Nations and then hadn't had these injuries, he probably would have been on the list. He's yeah. had a really brilliant season. Apart from that, I don't think there's anyone that can. There's no. a, I mean, there's nobody from Manchester City on the list. No, like Leroy Sané has made the Young Player of the Year. David, list, David Silva has been. I think he started quite poorly, Silva, but I think he's really come to in the last since Christmas anyway. But is it enough? Probably not. Essentially, um, but yeah, I, I think I think it probably is. It's, it's about right. Barring Sanchez, it's about right. You could make arguments for Lukaku. You could make arguments for for a lot of, of the other players. But Deli Ali's the only one I think out of that six that you could make a serious argument. So for. who wins it? Um, Hazard. I, I, Hazard or Kante, I'd probably say Kante would probably get it this year, Dave. I think, yeah, does he deserve it? I, do you know, if I'm talking as a game changer, someone who's who's had, who, who has to con- consistently produce his magic in open games when it's been tight, you'd say Hazard. And if I'm looking at a player who's influenced his side really throughout out of them, I'd probably say Kante. Personally, for someone who I could never do in a million years what he does every single game, probably Hazard. Because I see Hazard and I see him... Take the kicks like I spoke about before in that FA Cup game against United. He gets this every single yeah. week. And Hazard's special. And all Kante is, don't be rough. You can make your arguments. Personally, I don't know. It's a, it's a 50-50 call, but I'd probably just I'd probably lean slightly just towards Hazard. But I think Kante will actually win it. And do one of Harry Kane and Romelu Lukaku have to win the Young Player of the Year award? Because surely he just makes a mockery of it if it's one somebody other than those two. You don't know. Because they're on both lists. don't know. I mean, it I mean if, me if, if Deli Ali beats Harry Kane and Lukaku to the award, yeah. well then how is he not on the other list? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Ali's on there. But I think it's more the influence on your mind. You, you almost think that 
you, you don't necessarily think of Kane and Lukaku as those young players, do you? you no, think, I don't. They imme- shouldn't. Well, Lukaku's younger. Yeah, but, but imme- Kane immediately, shouldn't be there. But immediately you think of Deli Ali's a young player, don't you? So that's the thing that would probably mind. I think I think Deli Ali might win that because I think that that would be more influ- it influence the players' minds that's voting. It's a bit sad though, isn't it? That if Deli Ali wins, what the other two boys? What are they doing there? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, it's um, it, it's it's a tricky one. This this age one anyway. But I, when did you have to vote? What time of the year? Yeah, it's only about February, end of February. And was it an email or a letter or what? No, voting, cash your vote on a piece of paper. Um, so is it still that done that way? I believe so. Old yeah. school, like I believe it's still old school. So uh, uh, one of the one of the PFA reps would come to the training ground. He'd hand oh, out. Oh, sorry, he'd collect them. Right. Yeah, well, he'd, he'd hand them out, or uh, or he'd hand them out to the the not the, not sorry, I'm that's wrong. One of the one someone who was associated with the PFA would come to the training ground and collect them all from the okay. PFA rep. There'd be a PFA rep within the squad. Who would be de- who would be designated as that PFA rep for that season right. or, or ongoing? He would he would give them to the players, and the players obviously then vote player of the year, young player of the year, and then you won to eleven uh, with whatever division that you're playing in at that time, and that's kind of how it goes. Cool. So it's, it's quite simple. But as you say, there maybe modern times we might need to do it a bit differently. That, that send an email, an email, but and that might actually delay the vote a little bit longer. That you know it can be done yeah, under some sort do it of. In- First week in April. Yeah. Well, anyway, so it's it's an interesting one, but anyway, I uh, I I'm going to go with Hazard and Deli Ali as my player and young player of the year. Yeah. Can't argue with that, really. Yeah. So anyway, I think we're probably better off wrapping this up, Dave. It's yep. been uh, it's been great uh, great talking to you again today. Um. So thanks very much for listening, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Thank you. Take care. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you stop. like. What a stop! Just for Ben! Oh! Jordan Ben! Yes! Jordan Henderson! I mean, that sort of stuff, we're, it, it's been, we're, be, we're bigger than that. That interview is just like the performance, flat. No. Well, I mean, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, well, he's... Say something... We, we were doing what we'd done for 20 years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in, in these conditions, um, and thought no more of it. Fire it up, fire it up, when we finally turn it over, make a beeline towards the boulder, have a drink, you've had enough. Fire it up, fire it up, if you need some conversation, bring a magazine to read around our broken. Just long enough to leave our clothes there.